everybody, and welcome back to the Trinity League Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Albano, with the Orange County Register at OC Varsity, and joined once again by our insider, Scotty Barajas, as we dive deep into the Trinity League football teams here in the 2001 fall season. We're recording our show today on Monday, September 6th, Labor Day edition. Scotty, thanks for uh, jumping on and talking some high school football here as we uh, counter turns to... September we have some pretty interesting games this week you know some uh we have a we have a, some big time we have a big unfortunately have a big time injury um and got some interesting I had a few games last week and some interesting things to review but uh, how you doing tonight Scotty I'm doing good Dan um you know I'm getting back to uh the swing of things you know I I, I took this weekend and kind of just you know, I'm a big college football fan, so I, I, I got to watch all the all the games and then yeah. watch all break down all the you know the games that we played for you know high school and um and you know and that was pretty much uh, my weekend. So um, you know, we will just get at it. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, and speaking of that college football, I mean, it was those those three Trinity League quarterbacks uh, certainly were a big part of it. I know a lot of our football fans, our listeners, and thank you guys for tuning in again. I'm sure we're checking out. You know, Alabama um, opening their season against Miami and then watching, um, you know, uh, Clemson uh, taking on uh, Georgia, JT and DJ hooking up. Um, Bryce looked great for for Alabama. And then uh, and then the Georgia game against um, Clemson, the quarterbacks really weren't the story, were they? That was, you know, hopefully those guys will uh, play better and, you know, um, but that was, you know, those top five teams in the nation is going to be a tough one out of the shoot. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, if you're we're looking back, those quarterbacks, you know, Bryce, I mean, everyone who's seen Bryce, he did exactly what we've seen him do at, you know, modern day, you know, the last couple of years. Um, you know, DJ, that actually, the DJ I saw reminded me of the DJ that played all the modern day teams, you know, his sophomore and in junior year, you know, with them shooting the blitz and mixing the coverages up. Um, but certainly that wasn't the DJ, you know, his, his that we last saw, you know, and as far as JT went, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know if the, the, you know, the, everyone's caught the speed of the game has caught up to him. Um, you know, cerebral rise, you know, he's there, but he just, you know, he's not as fleet of foot, but then again, he had no receivers. Everybody in that Georgia offense was hurt. Um, you know, so that that took away a lot of what he wanted to do. Um, but like I said, it's early. You know, and I, I'm pretty sure you know it's going to be a fun year watching these guys kind of grow and and um, take off. Yeah, I thought uh, JT looked composed to me. I did like some of his poise when he had time and he could stay in the pocket. Um, so that was that was encouraging to see. And you know, speaking of poise and ready to go, obviously Bryce Young um, looked amazing. So. Um, and it was fun to see his dad cheering and, and their family, all the number nines. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, everybody at at that game. So yeah, that was that was. So um, so just to kick off our show here, we're going to have reviews of of uh, the three games played last week and our analysis of those games. Like we said, a huge week coming up. You know, everybody in the training ah. league is back playing Modern Day and uh, St. John Bosco in the national spotlight again. Um, with some pretty marquee games. But, Scotty, let's kick off our show talking about a pretty significant injury. Damani Jackson, this news comes out in the bye week, a, you know, a bye, an off week for modern day. As we know, their schedule is you know not complete. 
um, are full. But Damani Jackson is out for the season um, with a knee injury. This is a, a pretty big loss for modern day. This is a senior. He is one of the top athletes in California and the nation. He's a um, you know USC commit, and you know it's, it's just pretty heartbreaking for um, for Damani because he started the season. Um, with modern day and had a pick six, their first score of that game against Duncanville in Texas on the road. And that was kind of the signal for me and I think a lot of people that, hey, Damani is going to be having a great senior year. We know how athletic and speedy this guy is. And um, that was the sign. And then a week later or so, you, we get the word from modern day that he's out for the year with a knee injury. Um, it's pretty tough, uh, I'm sure, for Damani, who's... Um, you know, he had won two training league titles the past two years with Modern Day, you know, including that spring, short spring season. But he was a CIF champion as a freshman, um, got some pretty good playing time. But what, what's your thoughts on the loss of Damani Jackson? Yeah, I mean, it is disappointing. Um, like you said, you know, having him, you know, come away with that pick six, you know, and it just seemed to like set the tone and, um, you know, having that, that great you know, senior year that everybody wants. And, you know, like we've all said, we wanted to see him play like a five-star. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to miss out on that. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, modern day, as far as it, yes, it, it was a, it's a big loss, but I don't think it's as big a loss as everybody thinks it's going to be. Um, yeah, you're going to lose his experience and his strength. Now, Xavier Brown's going to probably pick up the slack there, sophomore, up and coming he's a great technician he doesn't back down um you know and he's got law he's got length he just doesn't have the strength and that's the only thing that that, that like you said that they're going to miss because Damani was real strong and he had that you know that leadership so that's what you're going to lose but for you know skill for skill you know you know like we said last you know last year Damani you know he would block down everybody or he would have you know he just never had the multiple pick game or you know the you know, the, the, the multiple bat down balls, you know, I know he had his, his, uh, run-ins and his, you know, with, with, uh, um, T-Mac, T-Mac mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and that's going to be looming down the road and we'll, right. we'll probably, you know, I know everybody's, you know, thinking of that, but you know, we'll, we have to, we'll give that a few weeks before we get to that point. Um, but it is, that's next man up. And that's the way it's always been at modern day, you know, next man up, you know, you, you, those young guys get to, you know, fill in their slots and their spots. Now it's going to take, yes, it takes a shot at the depth, you know, cause now who becomes that nickel, who becomes a dime. Um, I think you're, you'll possibly see Quincy Craig play a little bit more, uh, defense, uh, when needed. Um, and I know he did in that Duncan game, but I, I think now with the money out, that's probably what you're, you'll, you'll probably end up seeing more situational or, or him seeing, being on the field more so. Um, and, and we know what type of uh, player um, uh, Quincy is. So, Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, you, if you look at the modern-day defense as a whole, that is the strength of their team. Uh, the depth at defensive line, the stellar linebackers, and it's a unit. And that's how modern day does play it. That's what Eric Johnson strives for, everybody doing their particular jobs. So um, while this is a, a big piece out of losing Damani in the really their, you know, arguably their top corner, um, you know, Cam Sidney is outstanding too, Cal commit. But, you know, like they, you know, when it was, when it was go time with modern day last year, with uh, Servite last year, it was Damani on, on um, McMillan. But, uh, you know, I think... Uh, 
you know, it will maybe it will force and, and challenge all the, the other, other guys on defense to, to raise their level. And I'm sure that's what modern day is going to want to see. We need a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. We, you know, linebackers have got to do just a little bit better job. They're, they're fortunate. They'll have to lean on their depth, depth a little bit, but it's still a pretty significant loss. But um, that is still a, a heck of a defense. Exactly. You, you pretty much said it all right there. All right, Sky. So let's. Uh, so we wish uh, Damani all the best, uh, and it's been a pleasure covering him and uh, speedy recovery for for Damani Jackson, who is uh, you know by all accounts a very uh, good kid, very um, you know really beloved figure around modern day, and um, they've they've really um, been excited about him and liked everything about Damani Jackson since he was a freshman. Um, so I know he's a, he's a, really a guy that they they love a lot at modern day. Um, but Sky, let's let's talk with uh, let's start with our review of last week um, with the modern day's rival St. John Bosco, and I'm not surprised by this score. It was Bosco 47 to seven over Bishop Amon. I kind of thought that uh, you know the, the the Braves would would send a message a little bit and get some things going, and they certainly did with the ground attack. Jabari Bates 13 carries, 173 yards, three touchdowns. And that was the breakout performance that fans have probably been wondering from that big, um, you know, running attack that the Braves have. That's you know maybe their strength of their team is the, how good they are at, on the ground. And and Jabari uh, he highlighted it with a 58 yard uh, touchdown run, which was electric, where he got into the secondary, beat a couple guys, and then burst through two guys at the goal, pretty much at the goal line, uh, you know, and was standing as he went into the end zone. He, he was outstanding. Um, Kaden Hauser, the senior quarterback, he was uh, sharp early um, with a um, rushing touchdown. I believe he ran one in. And then um, Pierce Clarkson threw a touch, early touchdown to Mateo to kind of get him going. That's a guy we've been wondering about, Mateo. So he got a touchdown reception. And then um, Jerry Steele was, uh, I believe he's a defensive lineman for, for um, Bosco. He had seven total tackles and a sack. So lead that um, Braves defense, but this was, uh, I think, notable for the ground game. But I know um, you have some um, some report on this, Scotty, because maybe Jabari Bates didn't have everybody in the backfield with them. But what was your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so for for the stretch, second straight week, you know, Bosco showed its overall strength, you know, led by its defense, and it shows what it can still do. Uh, still win without being sharp and dominating on offense. And I'll get to that in a minute. You know, for me, Bishop Mamad didn't show up to play in this one. You know, I know Bosco will make a lot of teams look like that, you know, and it's no secret that the Braves' defensive line, you know, caused most of it. And as you mentioned with uh, Jared Satelli and uh, Malachi Finau, they were constantly in the backfield blowing up plays, yeah. you know, and Satelli has been a monster in these last three games. I mean, if we had to pick an MVP, I mean, just in these three games, I think he would be the league MVP. You know, be, that's how good he has played in these last yeah. three games. Um, you know, Amat's offense definitely affected by Bosco's speed. You know, as they rushed, they hurried throws and receivers dropped balls. And it just looked like Amat wanted no part of the Bosco physicalness. Um, you know, but the Braves' offense was a you know a different story. And you know, again, the Braves went with the rotating quarterbacks. You know, Kate Hauser started and he marched down the field. You know, and he scored in six plays. Okay, then the next possession, Clarkson comes in, and the Braves look like a totally different team. Started the drive with the holding penalty. 
a run, two incomplete passes, Braves go three and out. All right, two possessions later, after an amount punt, a muffed punt, you know, gives Bosco a short field. You know, it's Clarkson's turn to come in. He tosses that four yard pass to Mateo. You know, extra point, no good. You know, but it was Bates who was the offensive star on the night. Um, you know, like you had mentioned, his stats going, you know, for 173. And he was the primary ball carry because Rashawn Luke and Michael Hayes did not play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we don't know the extent of that. I don't remember them going out last week. Um, but that's something to keep an eye out for. You know, Bates continued his scoring with a 10 yard score to make it 19 0. The two point conversion, no good. So uh, Brave still up 19 0. Um, you know, then Bates again, when, when then Bosco was kind of struggling again, he bailed him out again. He adds his third score on a 58 yard run to make it 26 zip in the late in the second quarter, you know, and, and, and I'll have more on the, you, you had said on that score, he bursted through two defenders and I'll have more on that in a little bit too. Um, you know, Amat ended up getting a, a, um, four yard touchdown from, from court, from their quarterback, Tobin Adele to Brady Kalu with under two minutes left in the half. But then Bosco quickly marched down, but they couldn't score. You know, as Amat tried to gain some momentum, they blocked a 26-yard field goal attempt. But, you know, that was all short-lived because then Hauser opened up the third quarter as he did in, to open the game. And this time they scored in five plays, four straight runs. They had a penalty. But then Hauser connected with Shadon James for a 58-yard touchdown on the first and 25 and Dan, because hmm. I don't know where the Ahmad DBs were on this play. There was no one around him. He was wide open. And then to add insult to injury, the Ahmad safety tried to throw in a half-hearted shoulder tackle into James to take him down. And then James just shunted off and uh, went into the end zone. You know, credit James with balance to stay on his feet and got in the end zone. Um, you know, that was the second play. You had mentioned earlier Bates had the same thing where he just bolted through two defenders you know, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just a mop just wasn't there. You know, they just something was just off. So you know, but that just play just told me that they were done on the night. You know, um, and then similar plays like that continued. Um, the next possession, a mop, you know, completes a forty-five yard pass, aided by a pass interference call and a roughing the passer. So it puts a mop down there. Then they had another pi press interference. So a mop has first and goal on the one yard line. Ends up leaving the ball that turnover on downs after getting stuffed by none other than Jerry Satelli, you know, to turn the ball over. And then to make matters worse on that same play, Odell's helmet comes off. So then the backup quarterback had to come in and take the snap. And on that same play, a Mott receiver gets tossed for a personal foul. So then the ball, they move the ball out from the one yard line, you know, to the, you know, you know, away from the goal line. And then, you know, what's coming next all right, you know, with Clarkson at the helm, he takes the third and long, rolls out buying time, and finds a wide open Jalen McLean for a 52 yard diving catch. Hmm. Next play, Bates goes in untouched and half speed up the middle for a 10 yard score. You know, so like there, you know, just they didn't want to play at all. You know, so it was 40 to seven. You know, and then they Bosco added another score to route out the game. Um, Debate you know, finish it up at 47 7. You know, there was a lot more than just a score about this one. You know, same old Bosco win, but one thing's for sure that the offense is, is going to get by everyone with this defense, but its inconsistencies are what's going to catch up with them against certain power teams. And we know who that is, and I'll give you a hint because there's two of them. But, you know, really, Hauser looks more comfortable um, with the offense. They seem to flow more with him, 
when he's in the game. Um, and he was six of eight, one thirty-six, one touchdown. I mean, Clarkson makes big plays, but he's just inconsistent. Five of I had him five of thirteen, ninety-seven yards, one touchdown. I saw you know they had some had some other stats, but that's what I charted him with. Bosco scored on two of Clarkson's five drives to Hauser's four out of five drives. Hmm. So, you know, like I said, but you know, like Bosco's Bosco, they're going to get by everybody. They have enough to get by, you know. But when it comes to those two teams, that's where it's going to get interesting, um, you know. And, and Bosco's got that great defense, but they haven't been challenged. The teams that they have, I mean, they haven't been, you know. And I thought this would have been their first with the lot. You know, everyone's talking about how great this team is and their new direction, and they look. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, they just, they just look like they didn't want to play or they didn't come to play, and you know, and I know Bosco does that to a lot of teams, but you know, when you watch the game in certain, you know, certain, you know, certain plays, it just, it remains to be seen. So, but you know, we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, and speaking of that Bosco defense, uh, yeah, in three games they've allowed, they're average, they're allowing an average of seven point three points a game. So. That's, uh, you know, for teams that have played multiple games, that's the best in the training league. Um, you know, Modern Day has obviously, you know, played only one game, allowed three points to Duncanville. And Servite's defense has done well, but not under uh, double digits like Bosco. Um, yeah, we'll, be, we'll, we'll keep watching this uh, quarterback situation. But I think, you know, the, this is how the Braves seem to be committed to it. I can't see them changing it. Um, I think their rotation is, you know, is going to continue. Um, even in the biggest games, I, I think this is how they're going to do it. Um, and then for player of the game, uh, did you go with uh, Jarvis, uh, Scotty? Or Jabari? Oh, yeah, you know, I could have went with, I could have went with, uh, I went with Jabari, you know, because of the fact that he bailed the offense out when it seemed to stall because he seemed to provide that spark and, and get that big game that they needed or that scoring play. So that's why I went with Jabari. Um, you know, the Bosco D, I mean, I mean, you know, Jarris is playing lights out, but he also has a great supporting cast. So, um, you know, I think there'll be more plenty of time for, for, you know, Jarris to, to, to probably get, you know, player of the game. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, uh, certainly got, I think it's still a lot of production. Um, a lot of positive for Braves going into their game against this week, which we'll be talking about, which is another big game for the Braves. Um, so their game wasn't close, 40-point differential, like we said, against uh, Bishop Amont. Here was a close game last week, Scotty. Orange Lutheran, 23, Edison, 21. Uh, Dieter Kelly kicks a late field goal, 30 from 34 yards, and the Lancers get out and rally past Edison because the Chargers were up, uh, I think it was 21-14 going into the fourth quarter, and the Lancers you know, scored nine points, and they improved to 3-0, and uh, just like uh, Bosco we just talked about. Logan Gonzalez had, you know, and I think we talked about it, you might have said it last week, he had a, maybe his best game, another best game. He, he's playing well at quarterback for, for uh, Orange Lutheran, 19 of 27 for 272 yards and two touchdowns. But maybe the star of the night was Desmond um, uh, Jackson, who rushed for uh, 102 yards and a touchdown, also had six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. So um, this was a pretty wild game. Edison um, jumped on him. Uh, Nico Brown had a nice kickoff return to, um, to start out the game for Edison. And um, Orange Luton had a fight and claw to get to 3-0. and 
But um, a lot of positives starting to build for the Lancers. Uh, they got another you know pretty tough game this week. But what did you take of this game, Scotty? This one was hard fought, you know, by both teams. But yeah. surprisingly, it was cl- I was surprised that it was this close. Um, you know, Edison gave Olu more of a challenge than I than most would thought. But it was tight all the way to the very end. Neither team could pull away from each other. You know, Edison, like you said, jumps out. You know, seven zero lead after that eighty seven yard kickoff uh, return set up a five yard pass. You know, Olu comes back, answers back with Logan Gonzalez connecting with Hayden Fairnair for a twenty four yard touchdown. You know, later on, Edison misses a 36-yard field goal, um, but then takes a 14-7 lead. Then Olu gets the ball back, drives down inside the five-yard line, appearing to score, and they fumble, turning the ball over with 2:02 left at the half to the half. So um, yeah, that was Tough key. One. But then Edison can't capitalize, and they give it right back to Olu, and then Desmond Jackson and capitalizes, gets into the end zone to tie the game 14-14 with three seconds left at the half. So that was a huge turnaround right there. Um, you know, Jackson was huge in that game, as you mentioned, um, having the, the 102 yards rushing, 92 yards receiving, seven catches, those two TDs, you know. But then in the third quarter, Edison strikes first to, to go up 21-14 with uh, four minutes left to go in the clock. You know, Lancers battle back with the last in the last seconds of the third quarter. Logan Gonzalez keeps the drive alive on a fourth down scramble. Um, and then a few plays later, he hits Jackson on the seven-yard swing pass for the score, but they missed the extra point to make it 21-20 Edison. So then Edison goes on a time-consuming drive, takes the ball all the way down to the Lancer three-yard line, but the Olu defense stiffens up, stuffs the fourth and goal as Edison gets comes away with zero points. And then yeah. just with under three minutes, you know, Olu marched down the field quickly, getting down to the Charger 11-yard line just under a minute. Um, you know, they got, and they got on that drive, they got some big chunk plays from Jackson, but penalties and a few Edison stops ended up forcing Olu to make that 34 yard field goal by Kelly with 56 seconds left. And then Edison's last failed attempt on a fourth down near midfield, uh, was no good, you know, so Olu came through when it needed to get those key plays. The defense rose up when needed, you know, another confidence builder, uh, Gonzalez was efficient again for the second straight week. You know, um, two two seventy two touchdowns, and the key to this: no turnovers. By the way, of the interception, and that was big. Yeah, you know, interesting on your uh, report too, and I and I, this was brought to my attention. Somebody asked me about it, but as you mentioned, Scotty, in your report, Edison sounds like they played a real aggressive there, and their second to last drive, and like you said, came away with no points. They could have maybe kicked a field goal there and taken the twenty four. Um, what well, would have been the 20, uh, 20, 20 lead, um, yeah. right? Yeah, it would, have, it would have saved them, you know, it, and that would, if you hide, it's high, you can't, it's like what it should have, could have, because basically they would have won 24 20, or if they kicked that field goal, you win by one. They, that means Olu would have had to have scored a touchdown, so to win, but. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You know, it's like, do you go for the points or do you, you know, if you punch it in, you know, and it's an eight point lead, all they can do is, you know, tell, you know, maybe to force Olu to go for the touchdown and the two point conversion to tie. So then you would have gone to OT. But Edison, I think they were, you know, they would have rather gamble and come away with that way than, than uh, having to live by the field goal. Yeah. And then just to build upon what you're saying about Logan Gonzalez, pretty interesting. I mean, Stat-wise, it's going to be 
um, maybe difficult to compare because, you know, not everybody's playing the same amount of games. And obviously, modern day has only played one. But if you look at it right now, the passing leader in the Trinity League is uh, Jackson Potter, uh, 811 yards for Santa Margarita. And second is Noah Fafita at 603. But third is Logan Gonzalez at 597. He and his pairing with Aaron Corp is is kind of going as uh, I thought it might, that Aaron Corp and was really going to help raise the level of Logan Gonzalez. And through three games, he's done a pretty nice job. And we don't have the, the updated Bosco stats, but I know they're splitting times. Um, they played three games. But um, my point is Logan Gonzalez is off to a nice start. Yeah, exactly, and he's, you know, he's not putting like you said, he's he's putting efficient numbers up in his percentages, but you know, he's he hasn't, they haven't really needed him to go, to to full on all air it out, and I think that's that's the key, and yeah, so he's he is benefiting from you know, uh, Corp being you know at Orange Lutheran, so yes, yeah, so yeah, and he's only got one, he only has one interception so far uh, on the year um, by my stats, um, yes. And like you said, that was key. So maybe a, how about Desmond Jackson for player of the game, player of the week? And that's exactly who I went with. Um, yeah, having that, I think, close to 200 yards of total offense. Um, you know, he did it all for them when they needed to get those, those big plays. And, um, yeah, he, I think they're going to have to, you know, continue that. You know, and I have a little bit more in the preview um, about – you know, having those guys, you know, help Gonzalez because he's going to need, he's not going to be able to do it all on himself. He's going to have to have help from everybody else for them to be, you know, more successful. So. Yeah, they're, Olu's definitely leaning on Jackson and Gonzalez right now. Our last game, Scotty, of reviewing week two, Desmond Jack, I'm sorry, uh, Santa Margarita, 39, St. Um, Augustine, uh, 10. That was 39 to 10 victory for the Eagles, who always play well at Saddleback College. They have a pretty, I think they win about 70, maybe a little bit over 70% of the time down at, uh, at Saddleback College. So Eagles go to 2 and 1. We mentioned him earlier, Jackson Potter, junior quarterback, 24 of 34, uh, 270 yards, two touchdowns. And not surprising, I know this is a guy you've been high on, uh, Scotty. Um, Nico Lopez, top target, nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. A guy we've talked about on the show already, safety, Blake Wilson, seven total tackles. Uh, Ryan Zolinski had uh, one and a half sacks. So after the tough um, game for uh, for Santa Margarita against um, Norco, they did bounce back and got a win. What did you think of this one, Scotty? Yeah, so remember last week I talked about how Santa Margarita needed to get back to being proficient, you know, getting Potter back to, you know, efficiency. And it sure like the Eagles uh, used this game to work just that. You know, the Eagles were went down, they scored on their opening drive with ease, using quick tempo, you know, offensive, you know, short passes, and it turned into big gains. I think Potter was like 8 of 9 on the drive, finished it with a 10-yard touchdown to Nico Lopez, who is now wearing number 6. So everybody needs to it's not yeah. sincere bracket because um, I these announcers are killing me, you know, because they're like, you know, oh, sincere brackets made the, you know, and it's like, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's it's Lopez, you know, anyhow, um, you know, Saint Augustine came into this game with forty players, 
you know, it was no match for the Eagles. You know, as multiple of those players were going both ways, and then you know they were just able to, you know, you know, just got worn down. But you know, they were able to to make a, a field goal um, in the first quarter. You know, to make it eight three, and for some reason that first quarter went by so fast, and I couldn't believe it was eight three. And you know, but the Eagles looked like you know this game was going to be a blowout. You know, each you know every every possession. You know, but it's because the Saints were pretty much a one dimensional team. They couldn't really throw. They were eight of 16, 41 yards passing. They were sacked three times, hurried another four or five times. Um, as the Eagles stacked the line, you know, forcing them to pass. Um, you know, Santa Margarita didn't give up a pass longer than nine yards. Uh, it was far contrast to Norco's passing attack as Eagle defenders Blake Wilson, Ben Durham, and Donovan Camestro made it tough on those Saint receivers who were blanketed or, you know, they were hit as soon as, you know, the ball was there knocking it out. Um, it was just, you know, their physicality was, was, was pretty much on display. Uh, with the score, I think it was 15-3, Santa Margarita was sitting on a third and 12. And Nick Iowis makes a nice acrobatic catch to preserve the drive, which allowed freshman Tarian Nash to take a yeah. 25-yard gain down to the 10. And then two plays later, Potter takes the keeper and increases score to 23-3 with four minutes left in the quarter. You know, and the Eagles tacked on another score um, by Nash on a, on a five-yard TD. That was set up by a 45-yard reception from modern-day transfer sophomore receiver Bain Eisman okay. to make a 29-3 at the half. You know, and, I, and then I think Santa Margarita took the foot, their foot off the gas. You know, because not much scoring happened in the second half. You know, except for a 31-yard touchdown by Justin Rivera and then a 21-yard field goal by Connor Teasley to close out the scoring 39. Saints added a late rushing score to make it 39-10. And then uh, missing from this game was Jake Foy, you know, was out nursing an injury. So the Eagles went running back by committee with receiver Ian Grogan, Nash, and Rivero combined for 134 yards and three touchdowns. And then Potter was finally over 50%, completing um, 20, I had 23 of 34, 76%, or 67%, two touchdowns you know, and uh, completed passes to eight different receivers, you know, besides the short, quick tempo passes, you know, in those series, you know, the Eagles also kind of took advantage of St. Augustine's defensive alignment and coverage, um, you know, because the Eagles, when they would come out and trips, the Saints covered the inside and the outside receivers, but left the middle guy uncovered with the safety like 20 yards deep off the ball and no, no defender near, you know, and that's Santa Margarita completed about five to seven passes picking up solid yards you know to either an uncovered receiver or it allowed that middle receiver free to block except for a couple i think santa margarita did get called for pick plays but that really helped potter um you know you know you know get his percentage up um and then i gotta make his comment on officiating because i know we've talked about officiating yeah um you know, so St. Augustine finally gets a, a stop, three and out, the first time they do, right? And and they pressure Potter, and they get called for roughing the passer. But the flag didn't come from the referee who was in front of the play. It came from an official on 25 yards away. You ever see those flags that come <laughs> flying across the field? I mean, oh, I mean, for it was, and it was a questionable roughing the passer. And I can understand it from a referee in front of the play, but not when it's chucked far across the field. You know, so it's again, it's one of those mind-boggling plays where it's like consistency. You know, where you gotta, you know, if it's questionable, you let it go, or you let the referee who calls in front of it. 
So, I mean, it, that was just, it was just, I couldn't, it was just, it was only one, so it wasn't so much, but, but, but those are those ones that we see in these other big games that sometimes end up being, um, you know, interfere with the outcome of, of a yeah. scoring play or whatnot, you know, so, um, and, and I think that, I mean, I, I think Santa Margarita scored on one of the, I think that was the series that had Nash's touchdown run, so, um, but, yeah, yeah that, that was that game, and like I said, I mean, it was great to see. You know, like I said, Santa Margarita that, that first series. I mean, I mean, um, and and I'll just jump right into my player of the game because Jackson Potter. You know, and it, because he looked, it, he looked just looked much more poised and command the offense. He made quicker decisions. Um, you know, and it was just like we'll see what happens when they go forward because I I, I really like what the offense what they did with their offense. Um, they took what what the defense gave them and. Um, you know, and if they can get, and you know, they're playing more guys. If they get more of these, these, you know, more of these kids touches, you know, um, it helps your depth. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, interesting to see what happens with uh, with Nash, the freshman, and I was pretty intrigued by Egan Grogan, who um, I thought was a pretty promising receiver last year, and you know, in the spring season as a junior, um, got pretty good hands. Um, he's about six foot one ninety. 185, but he was playing running back, um, not receiver um, in this game, I, I believe. I think he might have started at running back, but he had the most carries, eight carries. But um, he was focused a lot during the summer on baseball. He also plays left field for the Eagles baseball team, so he's back playing football. And some of that depth is definitely helping them with uh, with uh, Foy, Foy out because um, Foy was good in their opener against San Juan Hills. It will be interesting to see when he gets back and gets back to form, because that will add another um, dimension. But so, yeah, there it is, Scotty, three and zero for the Tree League in uh, week two. All right, Scotty. So let's look at week three of the of the season here, and it's a really good schedule. A lot of interesting games, and I think some interesting um, storylines to follow. There's one game on Thursday, and it's Servite Hidden Road against Bishop Amont. That's a seven o'clock kickoff. So Bishop Amont, a tough place to play. This was the the game that was going to be a season opener for for both of these teams, but it got wiped out by uh, COVID issues with the Bishop Amont program. So here they are. Hats off to both programs and coaches for getting this game rescheduled. And there they are playing again, September 9th, Servite at Bosco, uh, Bishop Amont. And this is Servite coming off uh, their bye. Um, so it could be very interesting. Um, they should be pretty fresh. Pretty, pretty fresh and healthy, and Amont coming off, you know, a very tough, uh, you know, kind of beat down from uh, the Braves. But you know, a lot of teams really do improve a lot after their first loss. And I'm thinking that, like you said, Amont didn't seem like they were all there. Uh, they're tackling less some things to be desired against, obviously, you know, a uh, the third ranked team in the country. If you're, if you're looking at Max Preps or the St. John Bosco's fifth if you're looking at high school football America. So it is, you know, and you alluded to this as well. You take it with a grain of salt. This this stuff happens against Bosco. But uh, what do you think of this game, Scott? Do you think, is, is Servite just going to come off their bye and just roll here and, and uh, you know, get to 3-0? and You know, if the same Amash shows up, you know, the one that did the St. John Bosco, yeah, similar outcomes are going to take place. You know, I was surprised to see the lack of creativity and physical nature, you know, that was being touted for that Amat team. 
you know, you mentioned it, we've mentioned it already on this cast, you know, the, the tackling, you know, the half-hearted throw, you know, half-heartedly thrown shoulders to try to bring defenders down, you know, um, you know, and the Surride offense looks much more in sync than Bosco's, you know, and the Friar defense is just as physical and disruptive. So I'm not expecting Amat to give much of a challenge for Surride. Um, though, you know, what I'm interested in is how much Surride plays their guys two ways. And just, you know, ended up seeing what that outcome will be. Um, yeah, like you said, coming off that bye, a lot of times, sometimes it takes a little, teams a little bit more to get going. Some don't, you know, because they're, they're fresh. So, um, but I don't see Amat giving much of a challenge in this one. Yeah, I agree. But I do think Amat will probably represent themselves better. Um, they're, you know, Coach Haggerty is a good coach, and I'm sure they have a lot of correctable things um, on video. But speaking of tackling, you know the Lancers. You know you got. They're going to have to tackle Houston Thomas, who's who's rolling in two games. He's um, carried thirty eight times for two hundred and twenty three yards and four touchdowns. So that's going to be um, a a big task for Amont. And then one guy who's definitely um, you know coming up on the on the radar is um, Mason Graham uh, for Servite. I ta- I covered uh, Mission Viejo Long Beach Poly last week. Talked to Michigan coach Chad Johnson about facing Mason Graham in 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 that of, of Servite defensive line, and man, they were they had a tough time with him, and, and he was sounded really impressed with Mason Graham. That will be somebody that um, Amont's going to have to deal with uh, on the defensive line, and he of course he goes both ways, as you mentioned, some of the the key guys, but um, that's going to be an interesting uh, game on Thursday. Um, Sky, let's move to that Friday schedule. And um, how about this one? Modern Day getting back after their their you know an off week after their you know big debut in Duncanville. They're hitting the road once again as Coach Rollinson has, has called them the Road Warriors type um, situation. Modern Day playing Friday in Las Vegas, Nevada, taking on Liberty, who's out to a three and zero start. They are the reigning uh, Nevada State champions. Last time they um, had their state playoffs in Nevada, this game's going to be at Bishop Gorman. But um, yeah, obviously we talked a little bit about some modern days already making some adjustments. Going to be making some adjustments on defense at cornerback without Damani Jackson. But I'm sure modern days just you know built all that big momentum, looked sensational in their opener. They're ranked number one in the nation by Max Preps and uh, High School Football America. What do you think about this game, Scotty? Yeah, so Liberty's, you know, they are the defending champs, but they're the state's number two team going into this season. So, you know, Gorman right now has yeah. that, you know, yep. honor. Uh, yeah, they have scored their opponents, outscored their opponents 116 to 20. So what's interesting in this one is that they played uh, last week without their starting quarterback um, who, who started in their two previous games. And, you know, the replacement right now who played in that is a junior, 5'9", Colin Gregor, but he had their best passing game of the year at 257 yards. You know, he had hit on 68%, two TDs. So the returning starter is a UNLV commit, Jaden Maeva, and he didn't play in that 34-6 win over Foothill from, from uh, you know, Henderson, Nevada. And Maeva has seven passing TDs, but he's not really accurate because he's sitting at 58% right now. Um, but I think the, the strength of this team is their defense. I know they haven't played any highly caliber teams. Um, they did dominate 
in those games from a defensive standpoint. The question is, can their offense keep up? And that's a tough task. Um, you know, another area to watch for are special teams because they gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. They've given up long gains, and they can't get the ball into the end zone. And uh, they'd have issues punting and kicking field goals. So, you know, modern day just kind of relishes against teams that have, you know, quite, uh, questionable special teams. So they go for it. Go for two points just about every time. Okay, and and um, and they do it with their their top receiver. He's a Washington commit, Jermaine uh, uh, Bernard, and he's their best offensive skill player. And he just takes the snaps and just to show you his athleticism. In um, their in the previous game, they had the snap. They botched it twice. The ball went over his head, and Bernard ran around and completed both passes for two point conversions. And he was like 20 yards out, and they still completed the ball. So that just shows you kind of wow. his, his athleticism. Um, uh, I know it's kind of crazy. You know, wow. offensively, the whole line has very wide splits, much like Centennial. Um, but by no means do they run that same spread with the quickness and proficiency as Centennial. So, uh, you know, knowing what we've seen modern day, you know, it's going to be a tall task for them. You know, again, key is turnovers, um, you know, but it's, you know, interesting to see which quarterback, you know, plays in that one. If it's the junior quarterback or, you know, or if the uh, senior guy comes back. Um, but, uh, I, you know, if modern day does what they, they normally do, they should come away with the win on this one. Yeah, and this is, I agree, and this is a familiar setting, actually, for modern day, too, because it wasn't that long ago um, that they went and played uh, at Bishop Gorman in an early season game and had a very successful, you know, lopsided win. Um, so here they are going to be, they're going to be playing. The game's going to be at Bishop Gorman. They're playing Liberty, but it's at Bishop Gorman. Modern Day's made the trip recently. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll know a lot of, uh, they'll be pretty familiar uh, ground. And I think that's pretty valuable. Anytime you're, you're hitting the road and you have some comfort uh, in the stadium and uh, the, the, the climate and, you know, um, just the, the feel of the game, I think uh, that's going to work to the Monarchs' advantage as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's uh, this one. They're going to be the Polynesian Classic. Now, the interesting on this one, Dan, is that there's a game before that. So, uh, depending on how long, you know, Modern Day may not get to do their normal, you know, Rollinson. You know, he's very, you know, on task and how to get, you know, timing wise. So, who knows? They may not be able to get their full pregame in. Because there is a uh, four o'clock game uh, mm-hmm. before Monarchs play this one, so that's just kind of interesting in there. Yeah, well, Coach Rollins has been coaching for over thirty years. I'm, you know, I'm sure he figured it out. But yeah, they do like, you know, obviously they 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 have their formula for success. Um, Scotty, let's keep with uh, another interesting game: East St. Louis uh, on Friday taking on St. John Bosco. This is kind of part of the Trinity League. Um, versus USA Classic. It's abbreviated, you know, scaled down this year. But this is part of that. And East St. Louis, guys, is pretty interesting. Um, they're 2-0. Um, I think they're ranked 40th in the nation by Max Preps. But they're the Flyers. They've, they're multiple state champions uh, in the past. They have, you know, very storied history. They do are playing IMG on their last game of the season. So there's, an, there's a huge game. IMG is ranked... Uh, I think second in the nation by uh, Max Preps. But check out some of the alumni uh, that have come out of East St. Louis High School. Um, 
Kellen Winslow, Hall of Fame uh, tight end for the Chargers, went there. Um, the, you know, um, Brian Cox, the uh, NFL linebacker, defensive lineman, I believe, uh, went there. Um, and then they've had some, you know, just other sports stars like Jackie Joyner, Kersey, um, Al Joyner, and even Jimmy Connors uh, from tennis. Um, they got some amazing um, history there at East St. Louis coming all the way out here to West Coast. They're the number one ranked team in Illinois um, by a lot. And then um, they do have a the number one recruit in the state in um, Luther Burden, who's an outstanding uh, receiver. And they have a Clemson committed um, cornerback, um, uh, Torino Pride, is a cornerback co committed to the Tigers of Clemson. So this could be a pretty interesting game as you know Bosco just plays you know playing one just another solid team. They are at home once again. Um, but what do you think of this game, Scott? This is the will be the fourth straight home game. Bosco's in a, in a nice run. They've been dominating. You think they can do it one more time here against uh, pretty good? This might be their second best team. They're probably this team is probably not as good as Central of uh, Miami, but East St. Louis looks pretty tough. Yeah, you know you already kind of touched bases on on. Um you know where they're ranked nationally. You know with the with the and then, and then with Burden, he's, who's actually the rated the number two wide receiver in the nation, who recently decommitted from Oklahoma. Um, the, the crystal ball kind of has him either going recommitting to Oklahoma or Missouri. Um, he did, he has seven catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns in two games. But what we've seen with out of state teams. Um, and we've talked about this many times is their lack of sophisticated passing game, you know, has been overmatched when playing Bosco, you know. And so St. Louis has, has a sophomore quarterback. He's completing 58 percent. He has 359 yards passing, mm -hmm. two touchdowns, two picks. They've scored 48 points in their first game, 48-44 win, a 32-17 win over the last opponents. We know what it takes to beat Bosco. I'm not sure East St. Louis, you know, unless they play that perfect game, you know, or unless Luther Burden uh, plays like Superman. Um, but, uh, yeah, that it's going to be a tall task again. Um, but uh, that's why they play these games. And, you know, hopefully they, you know, this one ends up being a, being a good game for the fans. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Bosco will get this one um, pretty convincingly. But it, it'll be interesting if maybe they – See one of their their top receivers uh, that they faced this year in uh, in Luther, um, and then they're then they'll finally go on the road um, next week when they hit uh, they play Smith of Virginia, um, who's one and zero so far. So this will be the last of the homestand, but it is pretty interesting schedule because they play their first race first four at home, hit the road, and then after the bye, who do they get at home? Modern Day to open the Trinity League. On October first. So just a just a side note, Dan, just yeah. for the fans out there. So over the weekend, Miami Central, who Bosco played, got beat, and they got beat by a replacement team. They were supposed to play at Dick's uh, Plantation, who's ranked. Instead of they picked up a, a Tampa Bay or Tampa Jesuit, and they lose on a last minute missed field goal. So high, yeah. so so you know, so that, and that's gonna that, that's kind of interesting. But it's like that's what happens. I mean, is it because they picked up a a last minute, you know, and they got beat by an unranked 
team. You know, when we saw yeah. we saw Miami Central, and I mean they, you know, they had guys, but they weren't. They didn't have the sophisticated passing yeah. game. They just won with their athletes. But you know, but that's just something, you know, to to kind of throw out there. Um, that was kind of interesting that happened over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, and and that's a good point, Scotty, because um, Central Miami they're zero two, and Alamany is zero and two. Um, that's another team, though they you know Alamany played pretty well against Bosco, um, and Bishop Amont one and one, and here comes uh, East St. Louis. Uh, I still think it's obviously pretty darn solid uh, schedule, but um, but I you know interesting what happened with uh, Central. Um, Sky also keeping it with Friday. How about this game? Orange Lutheran, they're hitting the road and taking on Damien of Laverne. That's a Friday game. Again, September 10th, 7 o'clock uh, kickoff. And Damien's played some pretty te- uh, Dames, some teams pretty good um, so far. They're 1-1. One one. They're out of the baseline league. Um, but their their loss is only 16-14 to 14 against Loyola, who's off to a pretty good start. And then... They did well against uh, Damien. Did well against um, Saint Francis, winning forty-two to seventeen. So they've played a couple of uh, Angeles private um, schools, and here they are um, going Trinity as well. And this is kind of what um, Damien's you know doing with their their non-league schedule. They also play a Bishop Amon, who we've talked a lot about. They're playing Oaks Christian. So um, and I think they even play Aquinas in one of their non-league games as well. So they play. Um, all the uh, a lot of the uh, the privates, but what do you think of this game, Orange Lutheran? You know they've already passed their first road test against Sarah, and here they are going out to Damien. Yeah, you know it's I was kind of surprised seeing that Damien beat you know St. Francis, you know because that Damien is another one of those teams trying to make the jump, you know one of those uprising programs to you know try to be amongst the the higher elite uh, private schools, you know, but they had taken their stumbles of late, you know, not being able to come away with any key victories against these teams. You know, I think Olu's defense will be a little too much for Damian. Um, you know, last week I said the Olu offense would come through, but it wasn't as prolific as I thought it would be. You know, they're going to need another solid game from Gonzalez, you know, someone else to step up, you know, as an offensive threat. We think Jackson has become that or yeah. will be that. You know, I've seen a social media post, you know, booking a Damien win. Yeah, I'm not so sure, you know, you know, with these close wins, though, you know, it's going to come down to the, you know, what we always talk about turnovers. And we've mentioned Olu hasn't turned the ball over in their past two games. So that certainly could be um, the difference in this one. But, I, you know, I think the Lancers, you know, still win this one. Yeah, they're, they're seeming pretty locked in. Probably got scared a little bit. Uh, by, they definitely got scared by Edison. They're a pretty deep program. Um, so I, I do think Orange Lutheran gets the win. Um, and then our last game on Friday night to talk about, Scotty, before we move on to Saturday, but Centennial Corona coming off an impressive win against Sierra Canyon is coming to Saint, to, uh, to uh, Jay Sarah, and that's a Friday game, 7 o'clock. Jay Sarah didn't play last week because their game was supposed to be against Newport Harbor, which was kind of be an exciting game for them because, as we kind of talked about, they built a lot of momentum Beating Notre Dame of Sherman Oaks twenty to nothing. What better than to play once again? Try to beat a team that's ranked higher than them in Orange County. Build some more momentum before you you uh, see Centennial. But this is a tough matchup. Uh, Centennial ranked twenty uh, first in the nation by um, Max Preps, and 
you know they're 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 off to a really great start and they're looking like a, a you know that you know that division one open team for uh, the southern section but what's your thoughts on this game uh for Jay Sarah coming off the bye and this is they get Centennial who's out you know two and0 already yeah so you're you hit that on the nail in the head you know it's a tall task for the Lions you know who had the momentum you know after posting that shutout win you know hopefully they can carry some of that into this one you know after you know missing out you know, with the postponement. Um, but now comes Centennial Huskies, who without a doubt are a better team than the past three years, the past three teams. Um, and they don't possess that prolific passing game, but they have enough skill and athletes, you know, to give team fits. You know, they have their two QB system of Izzy Carter and Carson Conklin. Um, you know, it's been enough to put points up, you know, but over the weekend against Sierra Canyon, uh, the passing game kind of struggled, you know, and it was a running game, you know, with junior back Jason Cortez and sophomore running back Cornell Hatcher, who kind of wore down Sierra Canyon, who Sierra Canyon isn't the same Sierra Canyon either. Um, and they were also beat up. Both their starting running backs had to start on defense and go at both corner spots. Um, you know, defensively, you know, the Huskies, you know, are fast and quick, um, you know, but they may have lost one of their top cornerbacks, Aaron Williams, who went down. It didn't look very good, so hopefully, you know, he, you know, can bounce back. But again, you know, next man up, as we say, um, you know. But let's just see how how long Jay Sarah can play and hold up with Centennial. You know, I mean, I think before the season started, we were just cringing when we had to get to this game. But now we're kind of like intrigued to see how well, you know, or how you know much Jay Sarah can learn from this game, and you know, that's what we're going to find out. Yeah, because they do have a common opponent in Sierra Canyon. So Jay Sarah opened the season with a uh, forty to fourteen loss at um, Sierra Canyon, and then last week Centennial beat Sierra Canyon uh, thirty-five to fourteen. So um, you know they it, it, this is just a tall t- uh, task for Jay Sarah because we know how young they are. Um, their building program. But they probably won't be too um, too spooked. But I think this is going to be a uh, a pretty big uh, task. Um, but if if there's probably any silver lining um, in in missing that game against Newport Harbor, which has been rescheduled, by the way, um, they are going to play that in Week Five, I believe, um, which is good news for Jay Sarah, so they don't lose a game. But at least they have, the silver lining is that the Lions have had two weeks to get ready. Uh, for Centennial, they're going to need it um, for sure. So as they, uh, you know, going to play um, their last home game before they open the Trinity League uh, at home against Santa Margarita on, on October first. So I'm definitely uh, thinking the Huskies are going to win. But let's see what kind of fight the Lions uh, give after you know um, having the bye, having a positive uh, result against Notre Dame. So the last game of the week, Scotty, Santa Margarita. Taking on Nolan Catholic. This game is going to be on Saturday, September 11th. And this is going to be at St. John Bosco. Four o'clock show uh, kickoff. Pretty interesting game here. Nolan Catholic, uh, they're one and one. Um, They played a really good team to start out their season in in Texas. And then they won a pretty thriller. I think it was double or triple overtime um, last week. Some of my research didn't show that they had any kind of big time recruits, but they're seeming like a solid opponent. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the the uh, you know the rankings, um, the 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 power rankings, 
Nolan Catholic doesn't rank as high as Norco or as high as Low Sal, but they seem to be about a notch below that. Um, they're out of the Fort Worth, Texas area. Um, but this is a, a big spot for for Santa Margarita. Maybe continue to build some momentum. They could get to three and one heading into their showdown next week against Los Al. Um, what do you think about this game, uh, Scotty? Yeah, so you to allude to what you said, all I know is that they lost 45-29 to uh, Texas's number 13 ranked team, which is Argyle. Argyle, um, yeah. That was the, that was, you know, that, and they're pretty, you know, highly ranked. It. And then, as you, as you mentioned, you know, the, the thriller against Catholic of Texas, when I didn't, couldn't find anything on them either. So, you know, you go to the ranking and you had mentioned I got, you know, listed them at 41 in Texas, you know, so they're a little bit further down than all the other top Texas teams, you know, and then we look back to Santa Margarita's history and they haven't had the best success with the out-of-state teams. Um, but, you know, obviously it's not Texas's best. Um, you know, they're not among the, the top 20. Um, so, you know, being that modern-day beat Duncanville, you know, this one's going to be another one for bragging rights. So you're gonna, you know, you'll get all of that hoopla going again, and and um, you know, but uh, but you know, we'll just have to wait and see on this one. Um, I have no idea. I mean, we go with the home team, Santa Margarita. If they do what they're supposed to do, and we know their physicality, um, just you know, I don't know. Like you had mentioned, if Nolan doesn't have any big time recruits or speed, then. Santa Margarita should be all right. It seems Santa Margarita has issues when they got that big time speed and and um, you know passing attack that's kind of hindered them. So yes, yeah, and you know a chance to get a, a road victory because they have been playing a lot of um, games. You know whether it's Saddleback College um, that or, that game against Los Al is going to be at Saddleback as well. Um, then you know they their their other Trinity games they get Bosco at Saddleback College so. They're 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 fortunate to play in that incredible new stadium at Saddleback College quite a bit. They play Servite at Orange Coast College. They play Modern Day at the Bowl at Santa Ana Stadium. So this is a uh, you know for for the Eagles a chance to get a road victory at um, at St. John Bosco on Saturday. I think they're going to have to play pretty well. I'm sure you know the Texas team, Nolan Catholic coming making the trip is going to want to play well. They should probably not be. Um, you know, I don't think Nolan Catholics would be too intimidated coming out west. The, their their game uh, last week against, uh, you know, in that they they played that at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility, I believe, um, uh, which has got an amazing uh, facility. So they play in some big venues and um, play under the lights in Texas. So I I expect them to come out and play well. But I think if Santa Margarita plays well, they can get to three and one. Yep, I I totally agree. So we'll, we'll be scoreboard watching. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's, there's some pretty interesting games, you know. Um, obviously, uh, there's a lot of uh, Trinity versus USA kind of feel taking on teams from Nevada, the number two team from Nevada, the number one team from Illinois, taking on a Texas team. There's three out of state games. Um, composite, the Trinity League is twelve and two um, so far. So. I think they have a chance to get, you know, the league's got a chance to get quite a quite a few W's. Definitely Jay Sarah's gonna have a tough one. But I could see uh I could see a five and one week, Scotty. No, without a doubt. Um you know, going going through again, we you know, like I said, I looked at Olu, you know, um 
that one's you know they could certainly be undefeated by the time we get to the to league uh survey you know so i yeah exactly it's going to be um it looks to be a promising week for our trinity league teams yep but like you say and you know they've got to play the games the reputation is there but then you got to go prove it out in the field and um we'll see how the trinity does as it matches up out of state um games a couple road games in here at damien um so at bishop of mont so um the Trinity might be flying high with the twelve and two record, but they got some. They got some quite a bit of tests. So we got a lot of things to be talking about next week, Scotty, as as the schedule um, unfolds and some. We're watching some personnel guys that we've talked about, some guys that are missing, and hopefully are getting healthy. Um, so, well, Scotty, looking forward to your report next week. Uh, great job this week, as always, man. Uh, same, same, likewise, Dan. Uh, great to be uh, great to be back and just to uh, enjoy these games while we can. Because, like I said, and I say it every year, but it goes by quicker than you know it. Exactly, it is already week uh, going in here to week three. So for Scott Barajas, I am Dan Albano, and thanks for joining us on the Tree League Football Podcast.